seated. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you that you would be with us. That as we dig into your ancient words, we would hear your voice speaking to us with a fresh word that draws us closer to you in all that we say and do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if you've happened to notice on TV, but apparently there's this thing coming up in a couple of months called Christmas. Um, it seems to be invading everywhere already. Uh, do, they, do they know there's Thanksgiving? Do, have they heard of a, a, of a thing called Halloween or the summer? You know, whatever. Um, but Christmas becomes a time of gift giving. And, and I don't know if, if you uh, have ever thought through gift giving, but gift giving becomes this incredibly personal thing. Um, those of you in western Pennsylvania may not know what this is, but it is a Hess truck. My family's from the Philadelphia area, and out there, they used to have this place called the Hess gas station. And every year, they put out a different truck. This was my very first one from 1983. Um, it's been well played with. My grandfather got it for me, and every year, for my entire life, he got me a Hess truck. And it used to be you didn't know what the Hess truck looked like until it was revealed at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade float. Now you get it a little earlier. Um, and at, when Samuel was born, I looked at my grandfather and I said, okay, now you have to buy two trucks every year. <laughs> and, and after he passed away, we have made it our mission to continue. I now have 34 Hess trucks sitting in my office at my house. If you come to my house and look in my office, they are everywhere. And you can't get rid of the boxes, or the bags, or the parts to them. You, they are all cataloged and somewhat organized in Rubbermaid containers in my basement. If the basement ever floods, those things will be safe. <laughs> the, picture, the baby pictures from the kids are toast. My great-grandparents' wedding rings are toast. But the cardboard boxes for the Hess trucks will be fine. Put them in the box with the trucks. <laughs> Why are you introducing logic into my sermons? <laughs> um, this one's been well played with because that's what you're supposed to do with toys. But it became this in entirely sentimental gift. And sometimes gifts have those kinds of meaning. Sometimes gifts are big, grand things there's a video on YouTube uh, of a kid who got a Nintendo for Christmas, and he just started screaming. He was so happy, so happy. I, I was watching a, a, a doctor drama show last night on TV, and it, the episode involved a, a young man who, who needed a new kidney. And the only donor was an anonymous donor on the other side of the country. And in any good TV drama, they had to make that take an entire hour to figure out. But that was a huge gift to somebody that they had never met to give up your kidney. Your body part now is in someone you've never met or known or seen. Big gifts. Others, others are small and just as meaningful as a kidney. 
My mom was a single mom. She worked three jobs, and we were broke. Flat broke. But Christmas comes whether your bank account is large or not. And so she would manage for several years to scrounge up fabric, or in this case fur, and make teddy bears. Um, and so this is one of those teddy bears that she made, although this one becomes even more meaningful because one day its head fell off. Just head fell off. That's not the meaningful part. I'm not done yet. The head just fell off. And um, it was one of those things that we'll fix when we get to it. And we never quite got to it. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was having a, a rough day. And my mom was coming down. She was already scheduled to come down. And she knew, uh, ranting, on, like you do with your mother. You rant on the phone to her. You're never too old to rant on the phone to your mother. Um, and she's like, you know what, we'll talk more when I get there tomorrow. It'll be okay. We'll talk more. And she shows up and says, I know you had a rough day. Do you remember this guy? It's like, aww. Aww. But gifts come all over the place. And there's a couple of things, though, about gifts. When you give a gift to someone, you have to give it as a gift without requirements or conditions or strings attached to it. Do you know what you call a gift that has strings attached to it? A bribe. We do this to kids all the time. We're like, here's some candy. Please love me. We call it spoiling our children. And the only people allowed to do that are grandparents. <laughs> or we'll say, here's a gift but I expect the gift in return. That's not a gift. That's a bribe. Why don't I just go buy my own gift of the things that I want anyway instead of expecting you to give it to me? We do these kinds of things, transactions, all the time. So when it, for something to actually be a gift, it has to be given freely without those conditions or qualifications on it. But at the same time, Regardless of whether the gift is big or small, whether it's something we wanted or expected or thought we deserved, the gift becomes so much more than the actual item. It becomes a tangible marker that one person was actively thinking about another person. That I say I care about you, or I say I think about you, but the gift becomes that proof of that. Whether you go out and you buy something and it becomes um, putting your money where your mouth is, and so in that way you're, you're saying, I think about you enough to actually spend money on you, or it's something you make, and you say, I think about you enough to put time and energy and effort into something for someone else. Gift-giving doesn't even have to actually be things. Gift-giving can be intangibles, given to something, to someone you don't maybe even know or think about. Think about it like this. How many of you have ever driven in the rain? Four of you. Okay, good. <laughs> when you drive in the rain and you turn on your windshield wipers, what's the next thing you're supposed to do? Turn on your headlights. Does that actually help you see any better? No. Who does it help? The other person. 
you turning on your headlights when your wipers go on is thinking consciously about someone else and wanting them to have it better than you have it. Not turning on your headlights then becomes an incredibly selfish act. Because what you're saying is you don't care enough about this other person for them to be safe on the road. And what happens when you're selfish like that? The rate at which you end up getting in an accident because they couldn't see you goes up. Turns out that the selfishness there ends up having a negative consequence on us. But by us having that generosity and that gift giving to someone else, it actually makes everybody better. Being generous, being thoughtful towards other people makes the whole world better. Because now that they can see you and they don't hit you, now you get home safely to your loved ones. So their world is better. They get to know you. And it extends outward from there because we simply thought about someone else's well-being over and above our own. Now what does that do for us as followers of Jesus? And the first piece to think about as followers of Jesus, is in the book of James. James writes that every good and perfect gift comes from the God above. So every good gift you have is ultimately a gift from God. So the job that you have, whether or not you like it is a whole other question, right Chase? Right. right. <laughs> is still a gift from God. Remember, it's a gift from God. <laughs> Remember, you working here is a gift from God. I'm just telling you. Not the working with me part, but the working here part. That job that gives you the ability to have food and clothing and shelter is a gift from God. The breath in your lungs is a, is, is a gift from God. The, the gifts that the people around you give to you is still a gift from God freely given from the God above, without conditions, without questions or strings attached, knowing that you might ultimately reject it, which is an interesting thought when we think about wh why do good things happen to bad people? Because the God above gives good gifts to everyone that that God loves. Even if they don't deserve it, or like it, or earn it, or we don't even think they should have it. There. The cross becomes this gift that looks absolutely horrible, where the God of the universe is naked and dying in front of an entire crowd of people. But ultimately, it becomes a good gift for our salvation. The empty tomb on that Sunday morning becomes a good gift from God for our eternity. Every good thing, from the breath in our lungs, the sun that is shining, to our abilities to be here, becomes a good gift from God. Now, if we're going to say we are followers of Jesus and we are going to say we are a Christian, this gets kind of turned another little angle. Because if you love someone and you care about them, you give them gifts. Whether they're the tangible or intangible or big or small, but the question becomes, what kind of a gift do you give the God of the universe? In Psalm 50, it says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
This makes him incredibly tough to shop for. So what do we do? How do we handle gifts to the God of the universe? If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. If you don't, there's red ones around you somewhere. In Romans chapter 12, it says, Sisters and brothers, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. The only gift that is good enough for us to ever give to God is us, like all of us, our whole body as a sacrifice, as a gift to God. But again, that means that gift has to come without conditions or strings attached to it. We can't look at God and say, okay, I'm going to keep this part. You can have everything else. That's, I'll keep this one over here. I want to do this. I want to handle this part. We can't say to God, well, this part, this is just, this part's dirty or sinful or it's just too bad. You wouldn't want this because it's, it's painful. And so I'm just going to keep this over here. I'll give you everything else, but I'm going to keep this one over here. It's like giving a present that's missing pieces. When I was 10 years old, I got a giant G.I. Joe headquarters. This thing was massive, huge. Get it out of the box, and I'm putting it together, and it's missing a piece. It was a little orange pretend rocket launcher. I, I don't know what you feel like when you get a present that's missing pieces, but it felt like it wasn't much of a present because of a little orange rocket launcher was missing. Jesus doesn't want all of us except that one piece that feels like it's too gross. Or that one piece that says we still really like to do this. Jesus is asking for all of it. Without strings or conditions. Now as followers of Jesus, as Christians, when we say we're going to do that, that then changes everything about how we act in this world. It changes the way we work at our jobs, Chase. He works less than I do. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. Um, it changes the way we, we interact with our, our own boss, Chase. <laughs> it changes the way we interact with our friends and our family. It, if we're going to be that living sacrifice and give ourselves to, to God without those conditions, it, it impacts how we parent our children, or how we act to our parents. It, it changes even our wallets. If you show me how you've spent your money, you know, your transaction record from the last week, we can tell what it is you actually love more than anything else. And it might not be Jesus. It, it changes the way we arrange our schedules. It changes how we give our money. You know, we're getting into Christmas. You know what the other thing Christmas is famous for? Asking for money. It changes how we do that. That maybe we need to pick charities 
to donate at the end of the year that actually are going to go to do the work. There are some national charities that raise millions and millions of dollars at this time of year that give less than 10 cents on the dollar to the actual work they're supposed to be doing. Now I'm going to put in a plug as Methodists, as we have the United Methodist Committee on Relief as UMCOR. 100% of every dollar you give goes directly to the mission field. Because what happens is we pay our apportionments every month, and those apportionments support the administrative cost of UMCOR, so that when you give a dollar to UMCOR, that entire dollar goes to their missions work. It's great. Shameless plug. But it, it interacts in our money in terms of what do we buy. Do we buy products that are ethically sourced? Do we buy products that support fair wages for people? All of this becomes questions over our entire lives of how we interact. If we're going to say we are followers of Jesus, then having a gift-giving and generous life goes far beyond this. But it becomes interesting to see how that gets lived out in a tangible way. You know, Jesus, okay, I mean, Jesus isn't actually standing right here right now for me to say, you know what, here's my life, here you go. So how do we actually physically give some sort of a gift to Jesus? How do we do this? In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus stands up with a crowd of people and he says, you know what, here's how I know you love me. When I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was in jail, you came and visited me. When I didn't have any clothes, you gave me clothes. That's how I knew you loved me. Makes sense. We gave gifts, tangible and intangible, to someone we love and care about. But the people there, they didn't quite get it. Like, wait, what, wait. I have never been in a jail in my entire life. What are you talking about? How did I do this? I didn't know you didn't have clothes. What are you talking about? And Jesus says, okay, what you've done for the least of these is exactly what you've done for me. That when we give our gifts and our generosity to those in need, it's as if we're giving them directly to Jesus. There's a quote that I forget who said it, and I couldn't find it again, that says, when we have more than we need, we build a longer table. When we build that longer table, the people who come and sit at that table is Jesus, who sits there in the face of the ones who are hurting and the ones who are struggling. Now, this again comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Sometimes that might look like the best thing we can do is quit our job and move to a faraway country and do missions work. Totally valid. God calls us to that. But did you know that there are people who will go an entire week without talking to another human being? You know when they do it? When they come to church. They might go an entire week without physical human contact. And the only time they get it is when someone sitting in the pews leans over and hugs them and says, I'm so glad you're here. This can be just as generous and gift-giving as wandering out to the mission field 
on the other side of the globe. It can be big things. It can be small things. When it's given to those in need without conditions, without strings, it becomes as if we are giving them directly to the God of the universe. Going back to the book of James, there's another verse that says, religion that is pure and undefiled, which God approves of, is to care for the widows and the orphans. And James literally means widows and orphans because in that day and time when James was writing this, if you were a widow or an orphan, you didn't have any other family to take care of you. There was nobody left to watch out for you. And if someone didn't out of freely, free and no strings attached goodness of who they are, they would starve to death, homeless, with nothing. And James is saying, you want to give the best gift you can to the God of the universe, then those who have nothing, take care of them. Take care of them. How many of you have uh, change in your pocket right now? A dollar bill, a penny? Again, three of you, four of you. Okay, there we go. If you have even a penny in your pocket, congratulations, you are in the top 15% of the world's richest people. How many of you have a car? Okay, most of you. You are now in the top 0.1% of the world's richest people. My first car was an 87 Chevy Celebrity that cost me $500. It barely ran, but it still put me in the top 0.1% of the world's richest people. When we have more, we build a longer table. Because those that we serve, those that we reach out to, are the very face of Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, through your life and your death and your resurrection, you gave to us every good gift. As we worship you, as we go about our day-to-day -day lives, may we present ourselves to you fully, without condition that as we reach into this world with care and compassion, we would do it as if those we see are you before us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.